From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Hello and welcome to From the Pavilion here on Cambridge 105 Radio, the dedicated local cricket show where we round up all of the action from around the county in Cambridgeshire. On this week's show, Cambridge St Giles captain Chris German joins us to round up the Cams and Hunts Premier Leagues and find out how our local East Anglian Premier League sides are faring. Chris will also be taking on Callum in the Beat the Guest quiz. Still no one has managed to do so this season. We'll be talking all things T20 with the Blast, England and Pakistan playing our game's favourite explosive format over the next few days and the news that the Windies women will be touring England to play a five-match T20 series in September as well. And we'll also have Chris's big question, let's not forget. If you want to contribute to the show, you can do at FTP Cricket 105 on both Twitter and Facebook. Thank you very much for tuning in to today's show. My name is Ollie Slack. Alongside me, as ever, my co-host Callum Guest. Thanks for coming on the show, Callum. No problem, mate. And also delighted to welcome onto the show Chris Jerman, the first team skipper at Cambridge St. Giles. Chris, thanks very much for coming on the show. Good evening, guys. Good to be here. Thank you. Yeah, good to have you on, Chris. How have you been over lockdown and back into cricket? Yeah, testing times. I mean, testing times. We're lucky when uh, when we're allowed to do some one to ones. That was uh, that was me sort of for a few weeks. So my my arm and shoulder are sort of falling off. Lots of dog sticking. Try and do as much as we can, but please be back. I'm uh, really grateful for the Whitings League to setting up some sort of competition, which has been good fun. Uh, obviously, a bit different this year, moving to St Giles, but uh, it's been really good fun in charge of a quite young side, so it's good. Where were you playing previously? I was at Histon for five years. Have you found the transition, or what were your reasons for moving? Um, Guesty kept getting me out last season. <laughs> He's running up and dragging the ball out of someone's hand to try and get me out. Thankfully, he didn't. No, Histon, Histon were a great club. Um, had some uh, really good games, done well, but it was just, I know, four or five spinners um, there. So I thought I wasn't getting as much of a crack, but then I've come this year. Um, St Giles through through John. Also, I also work with John Phelps um, through the county, so he said come along. Um, so it's a pretty good fit. We've done well. Um, I can bowl when I want, but not bowling as well as I probably should be. So you have to uh, be a bit unselfish to try and give it to someone else. Well, good to see you enjoying your cricket at a, at a new club and you've settled in nicely. Callum, how's your, your week been? Yeah, pretty good, mate. Yeah, Keeping busy with the coaching at the moment. So, And obviously we played a couple of games on the weekend, so it was all good. Yeah, a couple of games, both for Sourceson and, of course, Chemistry as well. We'll come on to both of those in just a bit. Let's, as we do, start with the local run-up then here from the Pavilion and start with the Whitings divisions. Kick off with the club we're featuring tonight, Cambridge St Giles. It was a 103-run victory for them against Wisbeach Town. Cambridge St Giles batted first, getting 219 for six off 40 overs. Wisbeach Town were all out for 116, though, of 29.3. Eaton Soken defeated St Ives Town and Warboys by 20 runs. St Ives Town and Warboys' little run comes to an end. Eaton Soken 177 for 7 of 40. St Ives Town and Warboys responded with 157 for 9 off their 40. And uh, Cambridge 2s played against Foxton, but it was Foxton who got the win by 8 wickets and 96 balls remaining. Cambridge 2s uh, getting 100, 100 all out, 34.4. Fox and 103 for 2, chasing that down very, very comfortably indeed. And finally, Histon were victorious against Marchtown. We thought the last game was pretty easy going. This was just as much, if not more. So Histon winning by 9 wickets against Marchtown with 119 balls remaining. Will Brown, 77, not out. Uh, Marchtown batted first, 134 for 9 or 40. Histon, as I said, chased it down with a loss of 1 wicket off 20.1. So uh, Histon have bounced back, Callum. From defeat against St Ives and Warbles by thrashing March Town after a little blip last week, it seems like a bit of a statement victory. Oh no, hundred percent. Yeah, I think for a club, obviously, they probably expected themselves to be in the top four, um, if not winning the competition. Um, to lose last week would have been a bit of a kick in the teeth, but like you said, they've come back really well this week. And it was yeah, Will Brown obviously scoring the runs means the skipper's got some runs. So he's obviously led from the front. Yes, yeah, so an important victory for them, you feel. Just to run you through the league table, and Histon sit top, played five with 16 points. Foxton second, played six, 16 points. Eaton second, third, played five, 14 points. St Ives Town and Warboys take the last playoff spot of the minute. Six games played, 14 points. In fifth is Kemp St Giles, having played five with 12 points. Sixth, March Town, games played six, 10 points. And then Wisbeach Town and Cambridge Twos make up the bottom two. Neither can qualify for the playoffs, six points and zero points respectively. If Foxton beat March, then the only team 
that can try and break up that top four as it stands at the minute is Cambridge St. Giles. But if St. Ives Town and Warbles beat Cambridge St. Giles as well, then the top four will be decided this weekend. It's a good job we've got the skipper of Cambridge St. Giles then on the show. Chris, given all that, how do you see your season has gone so far? Yeah, well, I mean, the target was to go top four. It started, started against the old team, Histon, and they uh, taught us a lesson really played better <laughs> cricket than we did on the day. Brownie enjoyed whacking over the fence a few times. Um, but it was a tough learning curve. I think we dropped a couple of catches. Um, we got a bit greedy with the runs as well. I think we probably should have got 200 and gave away some soft wickets. So that was a proper learning curve first game. Then a good win against March. We've got one of young, young players, Noah Thane, who's amazing as a 15-year-old. He's going to be very good. I think guests have seen a bit of him as well. But it's a really exciting side, really exciting to have a few young lads that I was probably coaching when I was like their under-10s coach, what, five years ago. So it's, it's really cool, actually. We'll try and win two out of two and see where that goes. And a well, pretty convincing victory over, over Wisbech Town on the weekend. Obviously, Wisbech Town, are, who have uh, been a stable side in that division for a number of years now, and you come up and, and defeat them like you did on, on the weekend. That's been a really pleasing win. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We played we played really good cricket on, on Saturday. It was a good toss to win. Yes, as it is at St. Giles. Batted first, then put the pressure on our opening bowlers. Really, really good. Got some big wickets. Got um, Gary and Willow out. Um, and it was just a squeeze with the spin, and then uh, pitch played its part. The pitch was all right. It's just slow and low at St Giles as it is many other places at the moment. Um, we play some really good cricket. This weekend, you face St Ives Town and War Boys, the side you came up with last year in Whiting's Two. Um, out of the two games you played last year, the first game was abandoned. The second one, St Ives Town and War Boys won by eighty-eight runs. How do you think you'll fare this weekend? Out of the two sides, obviously, I guess both done pretty well. How do you see the the form book looking ahead of this weekend? I keep I keep hearing guests say every week it is a league where anyone can beat anyone. Um, so we've just got to do our thing. We've got to play our good cricket. Um, hopefully the batters get runs, and then I've, I've won every toss so far. So no <laughs> doubt I'm going to lose this one after saying that. Um, so I'm sure we we'll have to do something. Maybe we'll have to bowl first uh, rather than bat first at St Giles. Might be different. But I think we're at St Ives on Saturday. Then it's the replayed. The COVID game we had cancelled because of um, our COVID situation. It's been an interesting season. Oh, yeah, of course. Because for those who don't know, there was a game, I think it's probably one of the maybe second or third game of the season, or maybe in the first, but not not long into the season. Uh, your game against Eaton Soken, so Kem St. Giles against Eaton Soken. We found out on the Saturday on social media that the game had been cancelled. We weren't sure why. We just knew it wasn't going to be played. Then we found out it's because a player had to be tested for COVID symptoms. That must have been a scary time. Thankfully, he came out negative. But just explain a bit more about that situation, Chris, and how it unfolded. I was coaching, doing some one-to-ones on Friday morning, I think, and I got text through from the player. He said he's going to be a cough, can I get tested? And then I think we have to we have to mention it to the league. And then Keith said we've got to postpone, I'm afraid. And then the, the web of entrail could have been not disastrous, of course, but you think I've done all the coaching sessions that I do, all the people. I mean, it got even so much. I was doing a one-to-one with um, Harry Silverwood. So Chris was meant to be back from the England bubble. But if that test back comes positive, he wouldn't be allowed, allowed back home. So it was, <laughs> thank goodness it was negative. Yeah, it really does show, doesn't it, Ken? I think we spoke about it at the time. It sort of slams everything back down to earth and it shows how intertwined everything and everyone is and the dangers that presents oh, 100% um, it was a pretty nerve-wracking time for I think a lot of clubs around at that, that stage as well mm. um, there's a lot of, obviously few of the, like we said there's a couple of youngsters in that Cambridge St. Giles side that had been floating about you know you look at county age group sides and how that can spread I mean all of a sudden that's uh, you're talking on a massive scale and pretty much wipes out you know a season that was worked so hard to get on could have easily wiped, wiped that out for a couple of weeks at least yeah, good job. The test came out negative and, and things sort of continued as normal-ish, I guess, obviously games being rescheduled, etc. With regards to the uh, second team, Chris, and the, the third team, obviously, in the CCA leagues, the seconds in Group J, fifth out of five of them. It's a look on paper and say not doing too well, but it's a very tight group. There's only 26 points. Remember, you get 20 for a win from first to five. And the third team are first in Group P, out of five, so they're doing pretty well as well. How are those two sides taking it? Have they found selection pretty easy? We know a, a few sides have struggled for players, but considering you've got a twos and a threes, so it must be pretty strong. 
No, we're pretty good. Yeah, there's um, there's a lot of want to play. There's a lot of young young lads and girls who want to play. Um, so it's really good to see them throughout the twos and threes. The selection meeting after training is never never that straightforward, um, but it, it's never scraping the barrel. I think everyone's just pleased to get some competitive cricket going on. Um, credit to Martin for setting up that. I think weeks weeks ahead, he had plan A, plan B, plan C, and probably mm-hmm. the rest as well. So huge credit to him. Um, for organising all that. Yeah, Martin Livermore at the CCA doing a grand job in setting up those leagues. Callum, just lastly on uh, Whiting's one of St. Giles, obviously they're in the hunt for that top four spot. You've been involved in this sort of format before where you have a, a that sort of playoff system where top four then move forward into the next stage of the season. How much are you actually thinking of that though when you're playing the game? Because I guess a normal league season, if it's just the first win the league and the bottom team get relegated, you're generally quite linear in that you're just thinking about the game you're playing. But does it, I don't know, different layers? Are you thinking about those permutations as you're playing? You do. It gets to a stage, I mean, the last couple of games of the season, you are thinking about it quite a lot. Um, my season in Australia, I spoke about it before, but it was pretty similar to that. got to the last game and it was, you know, all, about, about six teams could have potentially gone into the playoffs. So it was a massive final day, which is pretty much exactly why it's set up for that exact reason. So, um, yeah, it does get a bit, you get teams that are playing for specific spots, should we say, to get home finals and stuff like that. So there will be a few tactics floating about. So uh, it's all adds to the excitement. Just to run up the rest of Whiting's then, Division 2 North, starting with that, there's uh, four teams in group in the group play, each team twice as well. There, Castle and Ellsworth beat Orton Park by 115 runs on the weekend and Ufford Park defeated Wisbeach Town 2s. Uh, Castle and Ellsworth win this weekend. They'll secure their playoff place. So it's the top spot who goes through in Division 2 North to uh, the playoffs. In Division 2 South East, again, four teams in the group. Again, they play each other twice. So that's six games. Foxton 2s beat Burnlexing 2s by 112 runs. Godolphin versus Saffron 2s is abandoned. So two points each. That's another game for Saffron 2s that have been abandoned. That's the fourth time this season. They still lead the way in the group. Those 16 points, but because of those games, so many times they haven't played, a lot of the sides beneath them could still catch them with games in hand. Remember, it's four points for a win. And in Division 2, we're slightly different in this group. There's seven teams in the group. They play each team once. Uh, so again, a total of, of six games. Eaton Soakin 2's beat Kim Bolton by 37 runs and Southfield Park beat AK11 by 165. Olesians beat Wesley by seven wickets. That leaves the table as follows with Southfield Park leading the way on 14 points. Eaton Soakin 2's hot on their heels though with 12 points. They've both got a couple of games left. Just to remind you of the Whiting's Division 1 fixtures this weekend. Histon versus Eaton Sokens. That's a, a big one. St Ivestown Warboys against Cambridge St Giles. Foxton versus Marchtown and Wisbeach Town versus Cambridge Twos. Just lastly on those fixtures this weekend, Callum, Histon versus Eaton Soken. I think if we probably had to pick two sides that would definitely be in the top four at the start of the season, we probably would have gone with them two. Assuming they both do get into the top four, how much can these games sort of potentially lie a few sort of scars down on each team, whoever wins, going into those playoffs, then well, exactly. We do we do speak about that, but there is a there is a massive, especially when it comes to club cricket. I think there is a massive element of that. Once uh, as a batter, if you're going into a game knowing that you've scored runs against the side previously, is you just automatically use a bit of confidence, um, and vice versa. I think the fielding sides and bowling sides know that as well in the back of their minds. It's almost like once a batter's seen off the first 15 balls and he scored runs against you before, you're kind of in for the long haul. I mean. Happens a lot, so yeah. It's, it's, I think personally, it's more important than as a t- than for as a team. I think you know, then personal battles between opening batters and opening bowlers. I think they're more important than actually the team result when it comes if they are both to get to the finals. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. They get underway on Saturday, and as I said, those playoff games are edging ever closer. The majority of the sides in the division have played five or six games, so just a couple, or in some cases, one game left for those sides. Uh, let's turn the attention slightly differently, keeping it local though, but chatting Eaton Soken as they're involved in the National Village Cup on the weekend, and they've made it through to the quarter-finals after defeating Liphook and Ripsley Creek Club, who are based in Hampshire. However, they won via a bowl-off 5-4, incredibly, almost like a penalty shootout style, if you don't know what a bowl-off is. Five bowlers Bowler ball each at uh, unguarded stumps. So, effectively, in that sort of penalty shootout style. Joining us now to discuss it is the man who bowled that deciding delivery, which clinched the win for Eaton Soken, Matt Taylor. Matt, thanks very much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Now, Matt, I've just explained to the listeners that 
involved in a in a bowl off on the weekend, winning five four after your match against Liphook and uh, Ripsley Cricket Club uh, was a draw. Talk us through the game. First of all, give us a bit of a, an explanation how you managed to eventually get to that bowl off, which you won 5 4. Well, yeah, well, we um, won the toss, chose to bowl because um, obviously the rain was in on the cards. Um, so we obviously thought that would give us an advantage if run rate came to um, play. And yeah, all round team performance in, um, in the field in the end. So it kept them down to 130 after and sort of bowled them out in 37 overs. So we were really pleased with that. Um, so then, obviously, got to half time and the rain came, which we didn't enjoy much. So we spent a lot of our time trying to get the square playable, if you like. So we we're, were really keen to get the second innings going, um, but didn't happen in the end. And you're thinking, we've done really well in the first innings here, bowling them out for what, one, 130 or etc. And now our fate heading into the quarterfinals of the National Village Cup is going to be decided on a bowl-off. Yeah, we, like I say, we were feeling very positive after the um, first innings and we thought we would have chased that down. Um, so we did all we could to have a proper game. Um, but, like I say, we've done all right in bowl-offs this year, so... Um, we're quite confident as well going into that. So tell us how the format works for a bowl-off. Is it like a penalty shootout in that it's five each or are there different rules? Yeah, it's the um, same type of thing as football penalty shootout, but all 11 players bowl one ball. And um, then you see what the score is after that. If it's even, you carry on into a sudden death in the same bowling order that you had in the first eleven. So presumably, like in football, you'd put your strikers slash main attacking players at the front of the order for a penalty shootout. You'd put your bowlers at the front for a bowl-off and your batsmen would have to do the job towards the back end. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that was the sort of plan. You sort of experienced bowlers going up front, um, leave your keeper till last, as you <laughs> might expect. Um, and your part-timers, yeah, come on in the middle and near the end. It's weird. I'm a obviously avid cricket fan, but because it happened so little, I know absolutely nothing about bowl-offs. But for you guys, it's happened twice in this tournament. It's the second time you managed to go through due to a bowl-off and therefore, I imagine, due to bad weather. Yeah, it's pretty much been a sort of deja vu the last two Sundays. It's um, basically went the game before, yeah, it went exactly the same as this time, but the uh, weather was a lot worse. So the ground flooded and we went into the nets and had a a bowl off in the nets in that previous one. Uh, managed to win that 4-1. Um, so, yeah, so we're quite confident going into this latest one. Go on then, tell us how it felt when you delivered that that, that fateful ball and um, won the bowl off written token. Yeah, it was brilliant. The, like I say, the crowd was all totally silent. We had loads of people around the ground behind the um, stumps we were trying to hit. And, yeah, all held their breath. Brilliant. It was... Uh, Quite actually, quite an exciting thing to go through the whole bowl off, really. I suppose it's obviously, like I say, rather have played the game properly, but um, as a spectacle, it was probably more sort of uplifting, I suppose, than if we did done it the proper way. But yeah, the crowd went wild, it was good scenes down the lane. So, brilliant, brilliant. And in case it goes to a bowl off again in the quarterfinals now, which is the stage you're in. You'll be well prepared. But as I said, you are in the quarterfinals of the, the National Village Cup. How how does that feel, first of all? And also the potential of being two wins away from a trip to Lords, which for a club like yourself must be amazing. Yeah, the whole club's buzzing about it, really. It's, you know, to get this far, um, little club like ours has been brilliant. Um, obviously, everyone's got a dream to get there, but we're taking it one game at a time. We're just pleased how we've been performing and hoping we just carry it on each week. Cheers, Matt. And all the best for uh, this weekend's quarterfinal. Yeah, thank you very much. So Matt Taylor from Eaton Soaking there. They're into the quarterfinals now of the National Village Cup. Of course, remember the winner plays at Lords. Let's talk about the Reed Brothers Extanglian Premier League. Wins in the North Group for Cambridge Swardston and Great Witchingham on the weekend just gone. In the South Group for Copdock and Old Ipswichian, Sawson, Abraham and Sudbury. Callum, there's a, a double header this weekend, both 
Saturday and Monday involved. It's also, I should mention, the thanks to the NHS and key workers weekend. The APL are hoping to raise £2,000 for NHS charities together. And there'll be a minute's applause, I believe, before the, the matches too, which is great to see. Uh, with regards to the actual cricket, Callum, obviously a fantastic victory for you again on the weekend. But with regards to the games coming up, you've got a biggie. It's the top two in the South Group yourselves against Sudbury. Yeah, it's a massive game this weekend. Um, I think Saturday and Monday, two very strong sides. We played Cockdock already and probably our best game of the season by by quite a way, to be honest. We put on a really good batting display and a bowling display. So two very strong sides. Um, obviously starting with Sudbury, who are chasing us down and probably feel a little bit aggrieved that they're sitting second, a few points behind us, having had one rained off. So um, we've prided ourselves, obviously, last season on getting a big score on the board and We've yet to really do that consistently. So that's something there's a batting unit we're looking to put right this weekend in probably the win what is the toughest game so far. And then obviously we've relied heavily on the bowling bowling lineup, which wasn't actually that necessary to, in too many games last season. So it's really good to see that, you know, show sides that we've got more than just a batting side and we can we can actually bowl teams out as well, rather than just batting sides out of the game. And Chris, I always generally ask teams this who are in Whiting's 1 who come on the show or even Whiting's 2, but the East Anglian Premier League is obviously the, the highest league possible that sides in Cambridgeshire can get to, obviously by playoffs, etc. Is that where Cambridge St Giles have their long-term ambitions or are they not really thinking of that stage yet? Oh, I think it has to be. It has to be your ambition. I, I, yeah, I'm not really for a league at all if, if you're not going to try and play the next one up. It's... It's not in uh, certainly not in my nature to just settle for the league you're you're in. So we try and uh, try and win every game, and eventually that's that's the goal to turn it into a EAPL team. I'm, I know John's been banging on about it for a while, but St Giles was one of the first EAPL teams and a, a certainly a strong team in Cambridge a few years ago. So we're trying to get back there. Right, we'll continue the chat about these Anglia Premier League sides after the break, hearing both from Cambridge's camp. And from Saffron Walden too. We'll also let you know who Burn Lexing have got this weekend. And after that, we'll be taking the quiz as well as Callum looks to go five or six in love. We've all lost count now anyway. Cambridge 105 Radio. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. You're welcome back to From the Pavilion here on Cambridge 105 Radio. Let's continue to preview our sides who are involved in East Anglian Premier League action on the weekend. Let's start with Cambridge. Well, on the weekend just gone, it was Derby Day against Burnley-Lexing and they ran out comfortable winners by eight wickets. Uh, bowling Burnley-Lexing out for 144 before chasing it down, I say, with a loss of two wickets in 27.1 overs. This weekend, as I said, it's a double header, so they play Saturday and Monday. Saturday they take on Horsford and Monday they travel to Mildenhall. But for all East Anglia Premier League sides, it's a chance to give their thanks to all the key workers and NHS staff throughout the country as the East Anglia Premier League are naming this weekend the thanks to the NHS and key workers weekend. We're speaking to Lewis Hill, the Cambridge skipper, earlier on today. He said they jumped at the chance to get involved. Yeah, I think it's a great um, idea um, and we're happy to be a part of it. Um, yeah, we jumped at the chance to, to get involved with that and yeah, like you say, the, the NHS workers have been doing a fantastic job throughout the pandemic and you know hats off to them for their continued work and hard work over that time and like you say the club has got involved over the last sort of four or five months we've done a lot of sort of fundraising things such as um, trying to run a certain distance throughout the, the squad and try all these different um, ways of, of drumming up some some funds for them so yeah it's a great initiative you've got to have the mindset of, of looking at it as a, an opportunity um, to get several points and, and climb the table can be positive in our mindset for me it's about trying to keep a consistent team because obviously being a bank holiday you're probably going to get players away you know some of them maybe going for a long weekend that sort of thing so trying to keep a, a core of players that play in both both games hopefully the weather holds out for the whole weekend and <laughs> cricket can be played across both days um, but yeah definitely looking at it as an opportunity well, Saffron Walden, as we already know, came out on the losing side against Sawson and Babraham on the weekend just gone. Speaking to Callum, of course, it was another local derby. Just to run you through uh, that result once more, Sawson and Babraham managed to get their score up to 196 before being bowled out. Saffron Walden couldn't chase it down, though. They lost by 32 runs. This weekend for Walden, they host Copdock and Old Itswitchian and then host Frinton on Sea, of course, last year's champions who haven't won a game 
this season. Southampton currently sit fourth in the South Division, but given it's a two-game weekend, the skipper Ben Harris believes this weekend presents a real chance to climb up the table. Saturday was a disappointing day, really. I think it's one that got away for sure. Given the fact for a start they won the toss and chose to bat, I think we all would have taken to have rolled them for 196, which should have been about 25, 30 less, given for a few fielding errors and a couple of drop catches and a couple of crucial ones, actually. I think we kind of had their backs up against the wall. I think where they won it was, I mean, their last wicket partnership, they put on 30-odd. I mean, they won by 32 and then we were 30 for four. I mean, it's hard to recover from that. Um, it's just one of those days where didn't all click and we play that game nine other times and we'd probably probably win more than half of it. So it was, it was frustrating. You could get 50 points at the weekend or you could get eight. So the team's first and second could either fly away or if they, I think one and two are playing each other on Saturday, I think, depending on the way the results go. If you get two wins, you could find yourself second or third um, pretty quickly and you know, who knows if you win your last four or five games, if everything falls right, there's no reason why that you can't can't creep up there and push right all the way. So that was Saffron Walden skipper Ben Harris talked to me earlier on there. With regards to Burnham Exing, well, again, they've also got two games this weekend, Saturday and Monday, as everyone has in the East Anglian Premier League. The first game is a very tricky one indeed, away to Swarston. And on Monday, probably licking their wounds, they'll be at home to Horsford. Because who knows how they got on. Wish them all the best indeed. Let's move on to the quiz then, and it's time for another week of Beat the Guest. Callum, um, I joked before the break, I'm not sure where your lead is at now. I think it's five or six, is it? It's five. So I think it's come to the point where we just stop keeping count of the lead and we just make it an event if someone does actually beat you, a bit like the Chase or, right. or Eggheads, for That's example. Tonight. It's so tonight, is it? Chris is confident, I reckon. Well, well, well Chris, is, Chris listens... As we're very pleased to find out, Chris listens to our show every week. You've sort of, I imagine, studied Callum's quizzing technique or you, you've listened to every one? Um, I was interested in Les's answers last week. Yeah, interesting answers. Got away with one there, I reckon. Fingers crossed. Callum also. The questions are interesting as well. Yeah, thanks, Chris. <laughs> you know, I am the quiz master. I can deduct points as well. Callum did inform me that uh, that he, he managed to gather around his mates at Sawston and ask if everyone thought my Chris Wokes question was harsh because I suggested which England batsman scored the highest, I think it was the most runs or the highest score against Pakistan in the second test and uh, Chris Wokes wasn't a batsman. But there is probably because Sawston and Baber have a whole team of all-rounders, so that's probably why they don't know. Everyone bats like... And bowls, yeah. <laughs> anyway, enough about that. Let's move on to this week. It's a fresh week. Can Chris beat the guest? Or can Callum beat the guest? We'll see. Right, this week, it's a case of who am I? I'll ask each of you three questions and your answer will be a player either involved in recent matches or matches to come. And I'll read out three clues for each player as well. If you guess the correct player after the first clue, that'll give you six runs. After the second clue, four runs. And after the last clue, just the one run. But if you give me a wrong answer at any stage, I will have to pass the baton on to the other player. They will have a chance to guess in your place. So the, the answer will go on offer. So guess carefully and strategically as well. I must accept your, your first answer. Are we all clear on the rules? Yep. Yep. Chris, I'll give you the offer. Would you like to go first or second? Uh, I'm going to chase him, saying go first. Callum, first question to you. I think probably for the first time, not many have opted to chase. Listens to this before, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he certainly has. He's subscribed on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or listened on the Cambridge 105 Radio website, which you can do if you're listening now. Let's start the first Who Am I Then? Are you ready, Callum? Yes, mate, yeah. Your first clue is an England batsman, don't get confused this week, with a first-class average of 33. Mm. You happy to take a punt now, or do you want me to move well, on? Well done. I think I got it, but I'll go for another one. Okay. Second clue is this man won the player of the series against Pakistan. Mm. Um, so you can either take a punt again or go for the one run with the last clue. I'll take a punt. Go on then. Zach Crawley. You've gone with Zach Crawley. I can tell you that is wrong, Callum, I'm afraid. <laughs> and the... Question goes on offer to Chris. I'll have to read out the, the last clue, I'm afraid, because Callum took a guess. It's only fair. This man scored just his second test century in the third test oh, against yeah. Pakistan. Uh, 
Mm. I think Callum knows. Does Chris know? Josh Butler. Josh Butler is correct. So one point on the board for Chris. And we move on to Chris's question now. This is an Indian player nicknamed Mahi. Second clue, please. <laughs> in the last game he played, which was last year in the World Cup semi-final, he scored 50 against New Zealand. Uh, I'm going to punt Jadeja. Going with Ravi Jadeja. Unfortunately, that is also incorrect, Chris. So, Callum, once I read out this last clue, it then goes on offer to you. This man retired from international cricket on August the 15th this year. Mahendra Singh Dhoni. You are correct. One point each. You've both stolen an answer from each other. Okay, well, the last clue's kind of given them both away, so we've, got, we've jumped the gun there, I think, Chris. <laughs> got to go for it, mate. You didn't come here for a haircut. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Mahi didn't really give us anything. <laughs> MS, maybe, yeah. Mahindra Singdhani. Yeah. Second question. Uh, this man made his England test debut against Australia. Okay, next one. He is currently top of the PCA, which is the Professional Cricketers Association, County MVP. I'm going to jump in. Go on. Oh, do I? Uh, oh. Yeah, I will. Go on then. Craig Overton. You've gone with Craig Overton. The final clue is he's taken 23 wickets at an average of 9.56 in the Bob Willis Trophy. You are correct with Craig Overton, Callum. Well done. Thank you. Four runs on the board. Chris, a bit of pressure on this next one. Two England questions to Callum as well, thanks. You could have gone first. <laughs> this man is a county bowler who has taken 140 wickets at 14.97, an average of 14.97, in the last three years. Go on, clue two, please. He took a match-winning fifer in the Middlesex versus Sussex game in Monday's Bob Willis Trophy. Tim Murta. Gone with Tim Murta. That is the correct answer, Chris. Well done. Third clue was he retired from Irish international cricket in November 2019. So, Chris, you managed to get another one right. That takes you another four points onto five. Callum is also on five as we head into the last question. I don't think it's ever been this tight. Callum, are you ready for your third question? Yes, mate. Yeah. This man is the highest run scorer in the Caribbean Premier League 2020 after match day 11. Next clue. So this man became the third and the fastest batsman to two international T20-hundreds after Brendan McCullum and Chris Gale following his 125 not out against India in 2017. So Next clue. Yep. Next one, yeah. He is a West Indian left-handed opening batsman. Evan Lewis. Come with Evan Lewis for one run. It is correct, though. Move on to six runs as your total. You've given Chris a target. Moving on to the last question. How are you feeling, Callum? Mm, that was a difficult one. <laughs> Having not watched any of the Caribbean Premier League, that was, uh, yeah, no good. Chris was moaning he had all those England questions. He shouldn't have been so quick, should he, to judge? You ready, Chris? Yeah, we're good. This man hit the highest score of the T20 Blast in 2019. It's 129 against Surrey. Mm. I think I've got it, but I'll go play safe, go next one. He scored 56 in the T20 Blast semi-final and only one in the final last season. I'm not sure. Are you going to risk it or... Play safe and go for the one run. We have got a tie-break question, so if you want to play safe, you can do. No, I'm going to go for it. Tom Banton. Going with Tom Banton. Callum. Somerset weren't in the finals, though, were they? It was. A, it would be an Essex batsman, and I'm going to go. Hang on, oh. I haven't said if he's wrong yet. I know he's wrong, but he, he is wrong. Yeah, <laughs> Callum. I'll read out the last clue. For one run and to dramatically still manage to go unbeaten in this quiz. He is an opening batsman for Essex Eagles and he's a South African. Who is he? Who are we looking for? Cameron Delport. Cameron Delport's correct. Oh, I wouldn't have got that up. Hold on, Cal. Chris, 
How do you feel? I remember him uh, reversing Sam Curran. Yeah, yeah, Max. yeah. Uh, that was my image, but then uh, you're right. He didn't didn't play in the finals. Well, unfortunately, didn't get to unleash my tiebreak question, which I was quite proud of. But doesn't matter anyway. Callum's the winner. With <laughs> you can use it again. Yeah, I can't. Well, it's probably old news by then. It was about Jimmy Anderson. But anyway, seven points to five, which is the main thing. Callum clinches yet another quiz. Callum, are you ever going to be beaten? No, maybe that one. That was a difficult yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> Happy with the questions this week, boys? Well, they all made sense, so yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, very good. Jumping on it as well. I know. No, very good. He won't be coming on again. I was worried. <laughs> I was worried that Callum would pick up on England batsman for the first one again for Josh Butler, but thankfully he. Uh, thankfully he no, won. I'm never going to make that mistake again. Good. Good. Yeah, but I was thinking Josh Butler is that he's a wicketkeeper, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. All right. Obviously, wicketkeepers aren't allowed to bat as well, are they? Well. Would you not class Johnny Bairstow as a, as a batsman? He's a wicketkeeper. Ollie, is that you admitting your mistake from last week? Even when Joss Butler, even when Joss Butler keeps gloves for the ADR side? Still got to be a wicketkeeper, haven't he? Well, not if Joss Butler's got the gloves. You don't share them. What would you class Ben Stokes as? He's not ben around. Stokes. So... Anyway, it doesn't really matter. It's irrelevant. Anyway, Callum wins again, which is the good news <laughs> for him. Unfortunately, uh, the guest still hasn't managed to beat the guest for yet another week. So it's 6-0 now. And uh, it'd be nice if we get to the end of the season. And uh, and just one person, one person can manage to, to beat him. But anyway, we'll move on. After the break, we'll be chatting county cricket as we round up the latest in the Bob Willis Trophy. England as well was their T20 start against Pakistan on Friday. And we'll get Chris's big question too. Cambridge 105 Radio. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. So welcome back to From the Pavilion here on Cambridge 105 Radio. We're finishing the show with a roundup of the rest of the county cricket and national game. Let's start with county cricket then. Uh, a few wins, but uh, quite a few draws as well in the latest round of Bob Willis Trophy matches because of the weather spoiling things. Going into the final round of games though, which start on Sunday the 6th of September, the sides that have a chance of qualifying or realistic chance well, Somerset lead the way with 76 points. They're a central group side. Derbyshire next with 71 points. They're a north group side. Essex uh, with 70 points in south group. Worcestershire with 70 points in the central group. Yorkshire with 66 points in the north group. Kent as well on 64 points. And uh, Middlesex are in the south group with 59 points. So it's uh, it's hotting up as we get to the, the, the final round of fixtures. Like I said, they will be played on Sunday the 6th. Uh, but the T20 Blast starts this week, uh, tomorrow in fact, on Thursday. Callum, how excited are you that England's Premier White Ball competition is going to be back on and back on our screens as well? Yeah, no, it should be good, it should be good to watch. Um, I think probably all the pros are chomping at the bit after an extended break away from it. I think they're probably all chomping at the bit just to have a bit of a crash bang and wallop. <laughs> yeah, they certainly are. Chris, who are you backing to... Uh, to, to lift the to lift the T Twenty Blast Trophy, uh, probably Essex for me. I think look pretty strong. I think um, Simon Harmer's hopefully going to turn English, but I don't think I think he's uh, with the new the new Colpac. Well, not Colpac rules. I don't think he can now. Um, but he's a match winner. Good captain in that in that format as well. So yeah, Essex for me. Just to clarify the rules for the group, it's again going to be three groups of six, and I believe. They are all, again, regionalised, so central, ish, north and south. Callum, who's favourites for you? Uh, I think knots are always... You always look at the knots out, you know, the outfit, and you just go, it's incredible to see, you know, how badly they... They should be... Not how badly they do, but they should be in finals day in the white ball competitions pretty much year in, year out. They can almost put... It's a bit like Sarah. They can almost put three squads out in all different formats. It's It's quite incredible, so... I think them and Somerset always there or thereabouts. Uh, pretty strong white ball side. So I'd probably dip to something like Essex, Somerset and Notts, M3. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Again, Worcestershire, another side who don't really get mentioned much, but I think they've reached finals. They now, definitely the last two years, of course, won it two years ago and reached it last year, got to the final, lost to Essex. And uh, I believe it's Notts Yorkshire first game on telly. Uh, tomorrow night which should be entertaining indeed of course great to see it back on tv and of course all of that important revenue as well 
Uh, with regards to sticking with T20, but moving the chat to England, their T20 series against Pakistan starts on Friday. We mentioned the squad last week, and it's a mix of some sort of the top players for England, the likes of Morgan, Bairstow, and Ali, and then the youth as well. Banton involved, Pat Brown's involved in the reserves, but a number of youngsters involved as well. Uh, Chris, how do you expect the series to go? You'd imagine Pakistan will be will be strong as ever. They're, they're always a bit of a conundrum around the performance. Generally, White will they do pretty well? Yeah, Pakistan have got some exciting players, haven't they? But um, I'm still backing England. I think the captain, fantastic, Morgan, uh, in some serious form with, like you said, a, a good mix of uh, experience and a bit of youth in there. There's some, I think the, he, he's changed the whole white ball emphasis, hasn't he? Everyone that um, lack of lack of fear, no fear cricket. Everyone, everyone goes out and backs himself, and and he backs everyone doing that, which is really important. So yeah, backing England. Uh, Callum. The T20 World Cup course was postponed until 2021. And so far, even England's ODI selection has been sort of geared towards that T20 World Cup that was due to take place later this year. Do you think that will change now it's been postponed? Or given it's still the next closest ICC tournament, do you think England will still be heavily focused on the T20 players and the T20 World Cup? Yeah, I think it's about forward thinking, isn't it? I think if that's your next major tournament, you're gonna they're obviously going to go for the win, so... It's about giving these, you know, the young lads some exposure against some high quality bowling. It's completely different, I'm sure, in an international arena to it, what it is in county cricket and the T twenty blast. So, you know, giving them some exposure against, you know, a side like Pakistan, which like you said, are normally fantastic in white ball cricket, should be really good and you can kind of gauge where these lads are at a little bit. I think Pakistan as well have a really a really strong side. I, I was fortunate enough to bowl at them last year at Laws and I've seen some of the fortunate. Young, 18-year-olds, quick bowlers, and I was, I was <laughs> no, 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 thank you. It was uh, a scary, scary to watch side on, I can tell you. <laughs> what an experience, though, I'd imagine. What an experience. With regards to England women, great news, great news. We spoke last week how it was a, a real shame that uh, India and South Africa respectively had pulled out of the tour they'd planned. But we said the West Indies were thinking about coming over, and they will be for five T20s in Derby in September. Also good news in that one of the matches will be shown live on BBC as well. So <laughs> slightly ironic that the reason the ECB chief execs wanted the 100 was because BBC didn't want to show any T20 cricket because it was too long, yet they're showing these matches on BBC. Irrespective of that, they're great news for England women because you know it hasn't been, let's say, treated the best throughout lockdown. It's sort of been left on the bench a bit. Great that Vitality have, have jumped on the chance to sponsor it as well and put their money into to women's cricket. So all round, really, really good for women's cricket, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, with the, with the coach and the hat on, I mean, the success that the women's um, side has had in the recent years, people have jumped on that and they don't want to have the lull from not playing. So it's really good. They've got something to uh, look at and support and uh, look to the future, see if they want to play as well. So it's good. Yeah, it certainly is. Hopefully, as I said, that will be go really well on BBC. That uh, the matches on BBC is the third T20 um, and giving it the best chance to uh, inspire that next generation. Chris, let's get on to your big question there. As every week so far since returning on from the film, we've asked our local guests to bring on uh, a big question that bothers them slightly about the local game. What's yours this week? Um, so again, with my coaching how I'm doing the work for Cambridgeshire, I do uh, head coach of a few teams at the moment. My question is, are we wasting the good college grounds in Cambridge um, and not really trying to put on a, a prestigious show when other counties come to Cambridge. Is this county with regards to the county that obviously Callum's involved in the senior side or more just generally youth cricket? Um, probably for me, more youth-wise, I don't know. I, th I dare say Callum plays at some pretty good venues um, for Cambridgeshire. I think he's nodding. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's about... Um, playing at some really really good cricket wickets uh, at some good venues like I'd love to be able to play uh, youth games at someone like the Lees which is a pretty nice venue Mo um, Fennings is very difficult but that's, that's the that's the goal uh, it seems like we end up on uh, with the greatest respect to the other clubs like a club venue rather than uh, utilising what we actually have in Cambridgeshire um, but I know it's different it's different this year because of COVID and I know that a lot of the college grounds are just um, uh, closed basically um, but in the future I'd love to be able to use the really nice college grounds and put on a show Yeah I guess this is a question for 
pre and post COVID times. Um, but you've asked it for a reason. We'll get Callum's thoughts in just a bit. You're asking it because perhaps it's difficult to get on college grounds. It's impossible to get on college grounds. Yeah, I think price and money always comes into it. I think the the college ground probably um, they overpriced it because they don't want it used. Um, I think that's that's up to, it's, of course, of, uh, sorry. Obviously, it's up to them. Um, but I think they should be wanting to host the best the county have to offer at the different age groups. Callum, your thoughts? Yeah, I think you know Chris's point about you know these these juniors that are in selected for Cambridgeshire youth sides. They should be playing on substandard wickets. You know, it should be a pathway program from the coaching all the way up to the wickets during the season. It should be a pathway program up to hopefully reaching higher honours, either first class cricket or. Premier League cricket or, you know, minor counties cricket should be, you know, that should be the goal. So from a, from an age, you should be playing on a certain, you know, a certain standard of wicket. You shouldn't be just shoved and onto, a, like you said, a village ground or, you know, a village wicket, as it were. Um, I think he's, he's right in the fact that probably a lot of the grounds are pricing themselves out of these games. Um, one way I'd look at it as, obviously, captain of the White Blue in Cambridgeshire, obviously this season we were due to play you know, Essex in the inaugural friendly match, whatever you want to call it, at Saffron Walden. So, you know, hopefully with them kind of fixtures happening long term as well, hopefully that kind of encourages college grounds to see that if they do obviously get in the right books with Cambridgeshire cricket, that potentially they could maybe one day host one of them games. And you know, it'd be fantastic for the city to, you know, have a game like a game of that stature in the middle of the, you know, in the middle of Cambridge. That's probably what you'd ask for or hope for as a, you know, senior county side. Yeah, I've always wondered as a cricket fan living in Cambridgeshire why the county do not play games in the city of Cambridge. A, because it'd be such a lovely place to play cricket, but also generally you, you should play where your sort of your, your capital city of the county, if you like, uh, should be. I spoke to um, I spoke to Keith Code about this, Chris. Obviously, was involved in Cambridge cricket for a long while, and he was saying that the college grounds aren't aren't that good anymore aren't sort of good enough for I spoke to him about sort of the possibility of playing Cambridgeshire there and he said they're not really that good enough anymore so my question to you is playing devil's advocate if they're not good enough for, for the likes of Cambridgeshire and Callum and yourself want to be, play on the, the best in class pitches for the youngsters to develop would it not be best to to play them on the likes of say uh, Callum's playing at Saffron Walden maybe an Exning March Wisbeach etc play on maybe the real pristine village grounds and also as well as it benefiting those players it also benefits the local village clubs as well getting a bit of money into the clubs and regenerating the, the clubs in the area yeah uh i think there are some really good club wickets out there so i don't want to don't want to come across as uh, all these club grounds are all terrible um but as, as callum says how good would it be if you're playing on a like cams under 15s game to be playing in the center of cambridge to be playing at the lees a really good wicket. Um, I think your point about the groundsman, why would they try really, really hard to make a fantastic wicket if they know they're only got game for, I know so-and-so old boys playing a, a charity game against someone else um, where a wicket isn't isn't the be-all and end-all. So it's a catch-22 cup scenario. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It comes down to drawing the line as to when do you start. Obviously, I think a massive part of this and what shouldn't be, you know, taken, pushed, pushed on the back burner is, is the expense. The expense of the, you know, the, the better quality grounds you play on, obviously the more it should cost and the more it will cost. So it's, I think it probably comes down to finances more than anything. But when do you draw the line as to when it starts is probably my question, Chris, is, you know, do you start playing on these better grounds at under 12s or is it later than that? Is it under 15s onwards? And then obviously... It's that kind of when you start that kind of pathway structure up to the first thing, basically. So I know you've talked about Copdoc before on here, but the under tens played at Copdoc a couple of weeks ago, and it was the it was the best cricket wicket for an under ten and under tens game. It bounced, carry fast outfield, so you don't get your. I know I played at I don't want to name the ground, but there's there's games we played at other venues where someone crunches a cover drive and it dribbles out in the long grass, and you don't get any runs. But at Copdack, just timing, and you know you're going to get value for runs there. Um, so, long-winded answer, but I think as early as you can. Um, I think better cricket wicket 
produces better cricket. We do all the all the winter stuff at these fast bouncy hills, road, fenners, and then you get out somewhere and someone bowls a short one, it rolls along the floor and bowls someone, um, which is against what we're trying to be doing as coaches. If it's pretty expensive at the minute, or too expensive at the minute, and we're saying the grounds that they're playing on still aren't up to scratch, surely then if they hire, whether it be better groundsmen, again, I'm talking without knowing here, a bit blind, but simplistically, if they are better groundsmen or they <laughs> make the grounds better, it's going to cost more money and then they're going to charge you even more, Chris. Yeah, the, it's the circle, the vicious circle, isn't it? I mean, county cricket's an expensive game for all these parents anyway. They've got to buy the kit, match fees, yearly fee, whatever that is. Bit of a bit of a sidetrack. Someone like someone like Sauston, where Callum plays, they are they do spend a lot of money, but they are great at making their own money through the sponsorships and stuff like that. So I wonder if we can. I know there's um, there's talk of trying to get something sorted to try and get some income from various sponsors as well. So it is um, in the board's interest to try and do that as well. But I think um, if you spend it, you're going to get good results. That's the other, that's the other end of the stick, isn't it? Playing at good grounds and stuff. Like like you said, the parent these parents are spending a lot of money to get their kids through this system and get into the Cambridgeshire sides and progress that way. So it seems slightly unfair on the parents' side of things to you know put them on a once again a substandard wicket. Not all ground not all grounds are bad, by the way. I'll say that again. Not all, not all of the grounds are bad. No, but I, I think take your point take your point on board. I think it's a thing that I've had said to me previously from other you know, people inside that kind of circle is that it's something that probably definitely does need to be looked at as a county because, you know, you're getting other county sides providing, you know, Suffolk, for example, providing you cop dot to play on. And we provide, you know, the opposite to what they basically provided. So I think as a county structure, it's something that definitely needs looking at um, for future. As ever, these debates could and probably should run long into the night, but... They're meant to be short and sharp and quick and get some fire opinions across. They've certainly done that. Chris Callum, thank you very much both again for your time. Chris, thanks very much for coming on and go well on Saturday. Cheers, guys. Good luck all. Thanks a lot. Cheers, Chris. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. So we're out of time this week on From the Pavilion. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thanks to our guest, of course, my co-host Callum and Chris German from Chem St. Giles for coming on the show. Up next on Cambridge 105 Radio is Tim Willett with the new music generator. And just to mark your card sports-wise, over the next few days, the 105 Sports Special returns Saturday at 12 as we run up all of the best community stories and local sports news from around the county. And on Sunday at 6 o'clock, the countdown comes to its conclusion as myself and Tim Armitage name the best Cambridge United game of the decade. If you missed any of tonight's cricket show, you can catch up with it on the Cambridge 105 Radio website or our social media pages at FTP Cricket 105. Until you have us next week, which will be Wednesday at 6 o'clock. Stay safe and well. Bye-bye. Cambridge 1